The world is getting more complex. Our environment, both for stakeholders, politicians, regulators, is more complex, like Brexit, for example, has meant that we as an organisation have got to evolve our capability and complexity in order to deal with that. The strength of the underpinning against that was, you know, something that I did need to take on board. Hi, I'm Belded Mankus. Welcome to The Purposeful Strategist. The podcast that shifts the conversation about purpose and strategy from what organizations should do to what business leaders are doing and what they've learned along the way. In this episode, I'll be joined by Kevin Craven, CEO of ADS, the UK Trade Association for the Aerospace, Defense, Security, and Space Sectors. Kevin shares with us the process he used to evolve their purpose and strategy to meet the challenges of an increasingly more complex environment. He also describes how and why they used external resources in the process, in addition to involving a significant proportion of their employees. So, Kevin, welcome to The Purposeful Strategist. You're the chief executive of ADS. Uh, Just to get us going, could you tell us a bit about both yourself and about ADS? Of course, and thank you for the opportunity to join you today, uh, Belden. It's great to be able to do this. I am Kevin Craven, born and bred in Zimbabwe, spent 10 years in South Africa and then moved over to the UK. I have been broadly a general manager most of my life and worked across a number of industries, so catering, construction, facilities management, outsourcing. And now I have the privilege to be CEO of a trade association for the aerospace, defense, space and security sectors called ADS. Interesting role and challenging one. Mm, I can imagine, um, given that we're recording this while we're still in the midst of the situation in the Ukraine and lots of countries announcing bigger defense spending laws, that must be a rather uh, issue-filled time, let me put it that way. Yes, interesting time. And Ukraine, you know, maybe slightly controversially, has been quite helpful for the defense industry, not because there is additional requirement for munitions or equipment or what have you, though there's obviously some of that, but rather in terms of reminding the world, and particularly Europe, that societal freedoms actually have to be physically defended as well as through the press and the freedom of speech. You cannot have freedom of speech if you've got Russia's tanks outside the front door. So that's been actually quite a helpful development because the sector's under a bit of threat from the environmental, social and governance agenda, ESG investing themes, which have tended to look upon a sort of simplistic equation of sustainability, good, defence, bad from an investment perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're going to get into talking about ADS's purpose and strategy and how you came up with those in in a couple minutes. But before, I just wonder, when you think about organizational purpose, how do you define it? What are we talking about there? So 
every organization has a task. It has something that it's got to do, which is, you know, might be manufacturing chemicals, uh, making sure the trains run on time or whatever. But organization's purpose is a little bit more than that. It's why do you do that task? And that, I think, is really important. Uh, You know, one of the things I wanted to explore today is why do you need a purpose as opposed to what it is? But we'll probably come to that. I suspect we will. One question that does come up is whether an organization's purpose is fixed or it sort of needs to change and adapt as the circumstances change. Just wonder if you had a point of view on that. Yes, I I think it it does need to evolve. It does need to adapt, not frequently. And I think that is the critical factor. You know, does it need to be reconsidered uh, every year? Absolutely not. Does it need to be reconsidered every 20 years? Almost certainly. And what might the interval in between that, I think, is will be determined to some extent by the organisation and the type of thing that it does in a fast-moving world where your business model might be disrupted, you might need to think about it more frequently than not. Hmm. So maybe we could dive into ADS and its purpose. What would you describe that, you know, the why of ADS as being? Our task, if you like, is to represent the interests of our members. So we have 1,100 members you know, ranging from giants like Airbus and BAE Systems, uh, Rolls-Royce, etc., down to we have 900 SMEs and being able to represent their interests to stakeholders and governments is extremely important. The purpose of that, you know, moving beyond the task, is to represent the interests in order that they improve their prosperity and profitability and their commercial viability is really important. And that's what we try and aim to do here. Mm -hmm. So that purpose there of improving the sort of viability and profitability, was that something that, you know, it's sort of been that way for a long time at ADS or I think you've been there about a year. Was that something that when you got there, you wanted to re-examine? Yes. Look, any time you get a new chief executive, they will always want to put their own mark on an organization. And one of the ways you can do that is by examining the purpose, the mission statement, the vision, the strategy, checking that the organization's heading in the right direction, doing things in the right way. And so it's also got an enormous power of bringing together the organization and the discretionary effort of the organization because all organizations are made up of people why would they you know give that discretionary effort why would they engage more with the organization it's because they believe in what they're doing and using the process of developing the purpose and the mission statement is always a helpful process in terms of that inspirational requirement. Why should people work? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as you sort of re-examined all that, how did you go about it? Was it, you know, you sat quietly in your office by yourself and thought about it? Did you involve lots of people? How, you know, how long did it take? Who got involved? 
And we are a small organization as opposed to my previous organization where we had 25,000 people. Here I've got 150 odd people. You know, to have 150 employees, would that be a big trade body, a kind of really tiny trade body or sort of somewhere in the middle? It's probably one of the bigger ones. And we are, interestingly enough, two organizations. One is the Trade Association. One is the Farnborough International Air Show, which we run we are probably, in numbers, one of the largest trade associations as a result. In terms of the process around developing sense checking the process, then therefore it was easier to get more people involved. So the loose process we followed was the management team, led by our strategy officer, if you like, did a bit of thinking about the current mission statements, What did those lack? What had changed since we had developed those previously, which had been a period of about five, six years ago? And then thinking about what are the directions that might be involved. And then that management team went out to their teams. So given my team, management team of 10, they went out to their teams, which was probably somewhere between five and 10 people, And so very quickly, we had a group of about 60-odd people thinking about these questions. And from that sort of dialogue and process, we, for the sake of this conversation, went to a word cloud, if you like. What were the priorities? What were the things we needed to focus on? What were we doing that was good? What we were doing that could be improved on? You got a sense of that from each department, each management group, and where there were synergies and crossovers that became apparent as well. So there was then a little bit of analysis. There was a little bit of synthesis in terms of that to bring it together into a coherent whole from which we could then put forward a a long version of the sort of purpose and mission statements. That's when we then look at wordsmithing that to something that might be presented to a wider audience. Now, a trade association is different from a a normal commercial organisation in that serving our members means we also require their inputs into this process equally because the other half of representing our members to governments and stakeholders is those stakeholders also would be needed to gain some inputs. So the second part of the process was to use a third party political strategy consultancy to go out to our stakeholders and gain a picture of one, how they viewed ADS currently, two, what would they like to see and more of from ADS, what would they like to see differently from ADS, and get an understanding of those stakeholder requirements. We then join those two halves of the process together to synthesize a final kind of document or output that um, would form the basis for then developing the strategy. So having been through the process and the purpose and the mission work, then how do you execute a plan to deliver against that mission becomes the next part of the process. Mm -hmm. 
Sure. So just that bit to kind of get to the purpose, how long did that take from kind of beginning, deciding we want to do something about it, to the couple of rounds of synthesizing and all the rest of that? How long did all that take? So you always have a choice in these approaches is whether you fit them around your natural business rhythm, i.e. the monthly meetings or the weekly breakfast meetings or whatever they are. And so I would say probably around about six months in total we spent on this. And that was driven by those milestones of the monthly meetings where updates, feedback, reports would happen. There was then the in-between dialogue with the next tier down. And then on two occasions during the process, we kind of got together that wider group as a whole to test some emerging hypotheses and developing lines of thinking. And did those opportunities where you got the bigger groups together, they tend to result in, you know, perhaps useful, but significant changes of direction? Or was it more nuance and, oh, maybe we missed out a little bit here? What was the degree of change? Yeah, and you're right to pull that up. I think more nuanced and tweaking would be more accurate. But why do you need these things? Because if you just focus on an organization's task, this is what has got to be done, and you don't focus on why has it got to be done, then you lose the opportunity to inspire the people into being engaged, working better, working more collaboratively together. So the main benefit of those larger gatherings, Eldon, was around the team building aspects, the convening of the organization's mind and its next generation of leaders as well to gain their emotional buy-in and engagement with the process. So that's why I think whilst the changes to the evolving purpose and mission statement were not profound, the change in the look-feel of how the people engage with it did change. Mm -hmm. So that kind of takes us then to looking at how you came up with your strategy. You know, so we've got this purpose, but like you say, how do you turn it into plans? How do you turn it into actions? How did you go about that? So I always like thinking about a vision statement as well. And again, people confuse these terms sometimes. But for me, a vision is about what does it look like when you get to the end of your journey, when you've achieved your purpose? Um, what does it look like, feel like, touch and taste, you know? Being able to describe that endpoint then helps you articulate the plan to get there. If you know what it looks like, you know what you want it to look like, you can then build backwards into what are the steps necessary to achieve that. So that's kind of what we did, was describe the end goal, which is having a highly respected, on a national scale, a trade association, you know, top five in the UK that provided visible and measurable benefits to our members. We were able to then develop a strategy across each of our sectors that was relevant and appropriate 
And there was a bit of work then having to be done about, well, how did that move from an individual sector strategy to an organizational strategy? And because of the complexity added by Farnborough International, which is a one-off event every two years, but on the other hand is an enormous milestone for the global aerospace and defense industries, fitting that into that mix was interesting as well and has, I think, involved the two organizations growing a little bit closer together. Mm -hmm. And when you're thinking about sort of how far out you're planning, particularly given that two-year rhythm to the air show, are you looking, you know, five years out, three years out, 10 years out? What's the time frame? In my mind, it's 10 years. The rhythm of the sector is driven a little bit by both Farnborough we mentioned, but also parliamentary life cycles. So in a fixed-term parliament, that's two lots of five years. Given the state of the world today, it might well be two or three of those in that same sort of time period. But the business cycles of our underlying sectors, so if you look at a, a Chinook helicopter or a AE320 for Airbus, you know, those platforms might be in service for 40, 50 years. So the business life cycles are long. So I think that the 10-year structure to our strategy is relevant in terms of covering the way our sectors work as well. It's meaningful and appropriate. And if I've got it right, you sort of started with a somewhat bottom-up sector approach and then tried to pull strands from that together into an overall organizational strategy? Or was there some other activity that was going on in addition to that, or maybe even instead of that? So the external political strategy, if you like, which is, again, a fundamental part of what we do, you know, interfacing with that government, was happening in parallel. And that is broadly around... How do we as an organization become more credible, more respected by the people and the departments we work with in the government? So i.e., how do we represent our members' interests even better? So that piece of work was happening now simultaneously with the internal work, each of those informing and assisting the other. I'm imagining from what you've said that you used some external resources, might have even been the same consulting group that worked with you on the purpose. Is that kind of how that worked? Correct. That's exactly how it worked, yeah. Okay. I've sort of got the purpose work was about six months, largely driven by, as you said, the rhythm of your sort of normal business processes. How did it work for the strategy? So that was a bit shorter, around about three months, because again, the difference between a membership organization and a commercial organization, the bit that probably missing is the market analysis, if you like. You know, so very often you will, as you will know from your McKinsey days, um, be doing a huge amount of numerical uh, and financial analysis about the size and shape of the markets, the geographies, your addressable market share and all of that. So that is kind of not really relevant for a trade association, but we substitute the sort of political and regulatory stakeholder environment in terms of what products where, which is how you define the strategy approach to life. So to answer your question directly, you know, there was around about three or four months. 
Mm-hmm. Did that then go out as with the purpose to some of your stakeholders, to your members, or was there some other process of kind of saying, okay, great, now we're done? No, absolutely went out um, both to uh, members and, I mean, my board structure, for example, is quite unusual as I have a board of 32 members and so consulting with the board, sharing with them via strategy day, we did a dinner with group senior CEOs of our members as well because normally we would interface at a C-suite minus one, maybe C-suite minus two in terms of the active engagement but for this particular purpose we went out to the senior CEOs and the C-suite to try and get that buy-in and understanding of what we were trying to achieve and how it was subtly different from that which has gone before. Interestingly um, one of the bits of feedback we got from that senior representational forum was around skills. So I, there was an additional element that they perceived uh, that we had not focused sufficiently on in terms of the work that we did. So that did introduce uh, a new dimension to the piece of work. So there was the slight interrupt or additional elements to consider in terms of the pillars that built up our approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was about efforts by ADS to increase the skills in the sector, not the skills that ADS itself needed to have. Yeah, absolutely that, because whilst our strategy does have the element of improving our own capabilities in order to deliver, this was very specifically about technical skills shortages, government policy or lack thereof, etc. Yeah, okay. Okay. So if you think about that journey, I'm assuming it was six months and then three months, so kind of nine months in total. What surprised you along the way in that journey, besides the feedback from the CEOs on sector skills? I was very pleasantly surprised in terms of the stakeholder feedback, the quietly respectful of the work that we do at ADS was the general sense that I got from all sides, you know, we're pretty good at our job and we do an okay, make an okay fist of it. Um, I wouldn't say it surprised me, but maybe pleasantly reassuring in in terms of that regard. In terms of confirming my early days thoughts, which was that the world is getting more complex, our environment, both for stakeholders politicians, regulators, is more complex, like Brexit, for example, has meant that we as an organisation have got to evolve our capability and complexity in order to deal with that. The strength of the underpinning against that was, you know, something that I did need to take on board. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what would you say was the most difficult bit of it? The most difficult bit, I think, would be around some of that political strategy, particularly, and the external stakeholder environment. Because, as I say, this was not a turnaround. This is a competent, well-run organisation that needed to evolve gently rather than be radically changed. But the overriding feedback that we got from both sides of our stakeholder environment, our members and our political stakeholders, was for us to be bolder. 
Oh, that's interesting. It was very interesting, and and that may be you know back to your previous question. That may have been a bit of a surprise. There's always a degree of you want your trade body to try harder on your behalf. It goes with the territory, but this was slightly different in terms of be bolder in terms of your asks and your challenges to governments was the message, which is great. I mean, you know, affirmation of something that goes perhaps naturally for me in terms of my own style and approach. But yeah, I think it was a very interesting bit of feedback. Yeah. And what's the impact of all of that been on your leadership team and on the organization more broadly? Still early days. So we've shifted the conversation from developing the strategy towards executing the strategy now. And we've got very shortly, in fact, another exercise where the bigger employee group will be getting back together again to think about that execution. And we're building that around a a high-performing culture day, for example. I think the obvious takeaways are around a greater awareness and understanding of each other's departments. And in fact, bear in mind the two organisations, Farmer International and ADS, engagements between the two organisations. I think having the overarching framework of the strategy and the narrative purpose is useful. You know, perennial question, is what I'm doing today useful and helpful in terms of delivering that end strategy? I think that connection is always helpful for any organisation, either at a departmental or an individual level, is important. So those were the two things I would point to, is greater engagement, collaboration, uh, greater connection of the task to the strategy. Yeah, yeah. Um, And do you think you personally changed through that process? Was there anything you learned along the way? Um. (laughs) No, no, not really. Um, I I mean, I obviously, great opportunity for me to learn exactly what my organisation did, because it was brand new to me as well. And lots of pleasant surprises in terms of, well, I didn't know we did that type of approach to life. But no, in terms of the process and the approach towards developing strategy, no, it was slightly different because of the removing the markets analysis piece and substituting a stakeholder market, I think was different and more nuanced and complex than I envisaged. So as always, I did learn something. It was a good process and it was quite a fun process, actually. Yeah. And when you sort of reflect on who you are as a person, is there anything more you'd like to have in either your strategy or your purpose? I'm going to double down on my last statement, more fun. Only in so far as if you think about the COVID world of the last couple of years, it's been staring at a screen for a couple of years and then organisations are trying to get used to the hybrid model of working. So for me, that collaboration, that engagement has been an important part of bringing people back together again And in terms of then making sure that's enjoyable, I think you get that reflected back in the output of the organisation, i.e. you transmit your enjoyment to your customers or your members, and there's a benefit to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Any advice you'd give to 
business leaders who themselves are wrestling with their organization's purpose and how they connect it with the strategy? Yeah, and I will go back to your first question is, did I do it all by myself in the corner? Absolutely don't do that. An organization consists of people. I know it's a cliche, but engaging them, consulting them, working with them means you get a much better product. Absolutely would strongly recommend that. And I thought it was useful having the external inputs. You know, inevitably you remove some of the, let me say something just because the boss is listening and therefore it'll be good for my career. You, you take away some of that by you get a more critical input uh, and you get a, maybe a more balanced input as well by having some third party involvement in the process. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, anything I haven't asked you about that you wish I had? Anything we haven't touched on that you think maybe we should? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think the time and the process we've described is important. I think commitment to that process is also important. I mean, I have seen in my career a number of senior leaders delegate the process to the strategy officer or uh, some uh, project manager or something like that. And I think the personal interaction and, you know, some of your own thinking time in terms of just reflecting on the feedback and things that have turned out slightly differently from what you expected is helpful. I think purpose is so important, even more so nowadays than it ever has been, because of the challenging circumstances that the world is in, let alone businesses in post-COVID, post-Ukraine, and the various other challenges we face. Yeah. Well, if I could echo that back, I think the leadership of CEOs like yourself is going to make a huge difference to our collective ability to address those challenges. Well, listen, I think that's actually a great note to end on. Thank you so much for both taking the time and being as open and very clear about kind of how you approached it and what you did. Thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure, Belden. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Purposeful Strategist. Please email any questions or suggestions to belden at mancus.com. In addition to being available on our website, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you enjoyed this episode, we release a new episode weekly. Don't forget to subscribe. Thanks again, and join us soon for the next episode of The Purposeful Strategist.